Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. It's uh, Fergus in Chicago. As always, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or on Twitter. Um, and also, if you um, if you want to see the creative associated with any of our episodes, uh, you can see it on our website, onstrategyshowcase.com. Today, uh, I talk with uh, Colin Chow, and Colin is Global Managing Partner at 21st Century Branding in San Francisco. It's a consultancy that works with many brands. So we're today talking about Headspace. Uh, Headspace was a uh, branding assignment that the agency got uh, working with the founders. The brand had been around for uh, roughly 10 years and had been historically known as a sort of a meditation uh, brand, a brand or source for meditation and um, for learning the practice of meditation. But over time, the sort of the offering had expanded to uh, from this idea of meditation more to this sort of concept of mindfulness, which we're all very familiar with. And this was all pre-pandemic. Most of the work that was done by Colin and uh, his colleagues uh, had been done prior to that. But once they, um, once the pandemic hit, uh, everything obviously changed for everybody, including most of our mental wellness for an awful lot of Americans and for people around the world. So the the sense of feeling you know, isolated, feeling depressed, having to work from home, childcare from home, having to um, uh, do school from home uh, was an, is, an, is still an incredible burden for so many millions of families. And I think that when we look at mental health and the degree to which it's penetrated society, I mean, frankly, the numbers are just stunning when we look at it. Granted, I think the stigma of raising one's hand and admitting that you have a mental health challenge uh, is less than it has been in the past. And I think in part that uh, is a contributing factor to the numbers seeming to be so incredibly high. Um, but uh, obviously this year, this past year, 2020, uh, is a major contributing factor. So we're going to talk today about Headspace. And what was particularly interesting about this was when they launched, um, they uh, they launched this new brand platform uh, with an offer of providing one year's membership to anybody who had lost their job due to the pandemic. And this was a, this was a sort of a surprising offer to an awful lot of people. So we talk a little bit about that, and we also really talk about uh, what mindfulness is and what the challenge was for the brand as it evolved from this concept of meditation to the concept of mindfulness. So this is Colin Chow, 21st Century Brand. Enjoy. Welcome, Colin. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for for spending some time with us today. Hi, Fergus. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. You work with uh, 21st Century Brand. You guys are doing some really interesting things and uh, growing. Tell us, tell us about Headspace. Uh, first of all, what is Headspace for the listener? Well, Headspace has an incredibly fascinating founding story. It was founded 10 years ago in 2010 by two Brits, actually. Um, and one of the founders, Andy Puticombe, was studying sports science um, and then started training to become a Buddhist monk. And he actually went to a number of different countries um, to study and eventually was even ordained in a Tibetan monastery in the Himalayas. Um, so that was Andy. And then the other co-founder um, who became CEO is, is Rich Pearson. And, and he comes from uh, the London ad world, um, formerly from BBH. And um, at some point, the, you know, when Andy was back in, in London, um, someone introduced the two of them, you know, Rich had, had been undergoing a lot of stress, you know, obviously working in, in, in advertising. Um, 
And the two connected and, and started talking and, and they wanted to start a company to really expand the benefits of meditation and bring that to a larger audience. And so they actually started first as an events company, um, staging local events, getting people interested in meditation, um, showing them the, the benefits of that, where they could do it anytime, anywhere. But they found that that people wanted more. They didn't want to just do it at these live events. They wanted to bring it deeper into their lives and do it wherever they were. And so that morphed into what we now know as Headspace, um, which is an app with guided meditations, with animations, with articles and videos. Uh, so they launched Headspace with, with the founding mission, which is still around today, to improve the health and happiness of the world. At, at some point, they moved their headquarters to Santa Monica in California. Um, and since then, they've served over 66 million users in, in over 190 countries. God, that's unbelievable. And that's over a 10-year period? Or was that, uh, has that sort of growth sort of materialized in the last handful of years? Well, you know, I think with most startups, it's it starts slow and then and then grow fast, right? And so once the base was established, um, you know, a lot of word of mouth and, and an incredible product, and and I think, um, you know, it was it was Headspace itself, and really Headspace is recognized as the as the leader in this category in this space. But also, if you look at the general trends and wellness, um, the greater awareness of of mental health, um, mm. I think that that kind of cultural shift as well. Um, helped drive what was really, really amazing growth for Headspace. So if, if you look at meditation and you think of mindfulness, uh, are they different things? Uh, such a good question. Um, meditation and mindfulness are different. Um, you know, mindfulness, uh, Headspace would define it as, as this idea of learning how to be fully present, being engaged in the moment, being aware of your thoughts and feelings. Meditation is a part of mindfulness. Meditation is both a skill and an experience that can positively impact your overall health and happiness. So one way of getting to mindfulness is through meditation. And, um, but it's not the only way. Um, and, and actually a, a big part of the work that we ended up doing with Headspace was that they were shifting, they were shifting their offering from just meditation to mindfulness and trying to tell a, a bigger, more powerful, different story around what that meant to, to a broader audience. So is that, a, is that a part of the, the journey? There is this sort of a sense that, that it does take time, uh, maybe sometimes months, maybe sometimes years, to, to sort of master the technique, but, it's, um, but it, it, it is a recognition that it's not something that's solved right away. It's like something that just becomes part of your lifestyle going forward. It's not a solution to a problem that you may have today that you want to have it solved by next week. This is something that's really about a different outlook on how you live your life. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of the conversations we had internally with Headspace were around the value of meditation. And, and we talked a lot about how it can be a vitamin or it can be Tylenol, right? And, and <laughs> as Tylenol, it's like, there's something wrong. I need to fix it, right? Um, I'm feeling stress. I have something that, that, that happened in my life that I'm having a hard time dealing with. And you can use meditation or mindfulness as a way to directly address that. But it can also be a vitamin. It can be something that you do every day. That's something that you get into the habit, the practice of. And that makes you more resilient. That makes you stronger. And if you take your vitamins, you might never get sick in the first place. You might never feel um, unable to cope with, with some of the challenges in your life. So, so I think at its best, you know, mindfulness is, is both, 
both Tylenol and vitamin. It, it serves both purposes. Meditation is an important part of that. You know, it's something that that if you choose to to practice meditation, it's it's one of the most effective ways to accomplish mindfulness or to achieve mindfulness. But I think the beauty of mindfulness and and, and the beauty of, of what Headspace is trying to bring to the world is that anyone can bring mindfulness into life. Um, and it's interesting, you know, we, we talk to to, to people who practice both meditation and mindfulness. And they were very clear about the difference. You know, meditation is aspirational. Mindfulness is attainable. Meditation is, you know, there, there's a perception. There's only one right way to do it. It's, it's very time and place dependent. And it's a new behavior. It is something that you have to practice. You can't just meditate uh, without some kind of guidance and, and learning. But mindfulness, you can do it in many ways. It's, it's agnostic of, a, of time or place. Um, you can build on an existing behavior. And, and I think, you know, they, they work together. They're, they're, it's not an either or choice. And I think that the path is that Headspace can help you with meditation. They can guide you. They can train you. They can help you learn this practice. But you can also do um, mindfulness and bring that into the things you already do. If you're driving to and from work, you can do that in a more mindful way. If you're chopping vegetables because you like to cook, there's a way to do that mindfully. Um, and so it's adding this layer to what you already do, and, and it makes it less intimidating. Because I think, um, like many of us, we're busy. We don't have time. It's hard to set aside even a few minutes to spend on, on meditation. Um, but if you're already doing something, you can do it in a mindful way. You can still get the benefits of mindfulness without, without all the practice of meditation. So is, is the, uh, tell us a little bit about what the Headspace member experience is like, meaning if I am a member, in what ways and at what times and in, uh, on what platforms am I able to engage with Headspace or does it, and, and when does it engage with me proactively? Yeah, the, the main way to engage with Headspace is, is through the app. So if you download the app, it has guided meditations, it has animations, it has articles and videos. And so you can go as, as deep as you want. You know, they have programs, multi-day, multi-course um, you know, course content that allows you to get into broad themes around reducing stress, reducing anxiety, but it will also be more specific. You know, they have modules and content around very specific things. Are you feeling stressed because of the elections? Um, are you feeling stressed because you've lost your job? Um, and so yeah, there's a vast range of content and, and it's really about um, this, this journey that's partly self-guided because you can navigate your way through it, um, but also guided by the community of Headspace members, um, as well as the expertise of, of Andy, you know, who, who's actually still the voice of, of, of a lot of the content on there. Um, and so a lot of it is one-on-one, is -on -one. some of it is group. Occasionally they have live group meditations, uh, which are amazing. Um, and, you know, I think there's a traditional perception that, that Headspace is just about meditation. And a big part of the shift is actually, they have content that's around sleep. You know, a lot of people are having problems sleeping um, and also content around movement. Um, how do you do exercise and, 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 and be physical in a way that is more mindful and, and helps your mental health as well as focus? So, a lot of stuff on there. Another thing that they introduced recently uh, in the past year is something called the Wake Up, which is a daily video um, that helps just trigger ideas to be mindful um, and to practice the Headspace way. So, for example, there's a recent Wake Up uh, about how to create a culture of giving in your neighborhood, um, how, to, how to create a, a community of compassion and empathy, uh, all tied back to the practice of mindfulness, um, which which we could all use more of in, in today's world. So what's what's Headspace's perspective 
on traditional therapy or a traditional medication as an, as quite, an, as a partner to this? It, it's really quite complimentary. I think, you know, Headspace sees its offering as being something that can complement or supplement traditional therapy or medication. They're very self-aware that Headspace isn't meant to treat full-blown serious mental health issues and challenges. It's not intended to be a replacement for professional therapy. So if you make the analogy to, to physical health, right, you can take vitamins, you can stretch, um, you can ice something if, if you pull a muscle. But if you have a real injury, right, if, if you need to get surgery, it's not something you do on your own. You still need to go to a doctor. You still need to go to a hospital. Um, and so it's intended to help you with those things, to, to help you build up your mental health, um, to help you in those moments in your life. But, but of course, there's going to be times when you need something that is, that is different than what Headspace offers. I think it's a very realistic perspective that those things go hand in hand. And ultimately, it's the well-being of their, their members and their community that they care about. So is it is it uh, is it mostly self directed or is there sort of a prescriptive side of it in terms of a suggested journey and do they sort of track track you through that journey and you go through stages or how, like how is it structured? It's mostly self guided. There isn't a prescriptive path, and and a big reason for that is is your journey is going to be very different than my journey, right? I think um, you know, part of the philosophy that underlies it is, is really meeting members where they are in their lives uh, and not trying to enforce the same journey on everybody because everybody's at a different point. Everybody's at a different stage and facing different challenges. And so no matter what you're facing, there's, there's content that might be right for you. There's a module or a video or some, some animations that you can choose to dive into and it might change day by day. And so some people, We'll go to Headspace and they always go to the same video. It's, it's a touchstone for them. It's a reminder to be centered and focused. They'll do the same things over and over. Others really like to take this meandering path and they explore different aspects. They get into sleep, uh, the sleep mode. They get into some of the, the, the move offerings. Uh, and they're more trying different things and building their own arsenal, if you will, of, of different mindfulness activities. Um, there is tracking. You know, They, they want to be able to show what you've done in the past so you can refer back, you can find things that you might have done and, and go back to them because they were effective. Um, but it's not, it's not accomplishment focused. And I think that's really critical. You know, the, the path of mindfulness is not A to B. Um, it's highly dynamic. You move forward, you move backwards. And I think the way that Headspace is, is, is intentionally constructed is to recognize that and give you the right support that you need. But it isn't to say you're winning or you're failing, right? I think that's, that's a very different outlook compared to um, some of the other uh, mental health offerings or, or, or um, apps out there. So the, the client comes to, to you guys, and as a strategist, there's, I assume there's a meeting or there's a briefing. Uh, and what was the sort of the state of the business at that time? And, and when was it that they came to you guys? So Headspace first reached out to us at the very end of 2019. And in its first chapter, in its first 10 years, Headspace had already built a very successful business by demystifying meditation. It was the leader in that category, become very well known as an app for meditation. But it was facing a tremendous amount of change both inside and outside its walls. On the inside, they were just about to launch a huge product evolution, going from really focusing on meditation to new verticals beyond. So sleep, 
um, move and activity, focus. And that represented a, a really radical shift in, in the way that they needed to tell their story about mindfulness, as well as the audiences they needed to focus on. So that was on the inside. And then on the outside, over the 10 years that they've been in existence, what it was once novel had become the norm. As the wellness industry grew, that certainly helped Headspace, but that also invited many new and unexpected players encroaching on Headspace's business. And so you had tremendous amounts of competition coming in. Um, you know, their, their, their number one direct competitor is Calm, uh, which is another mental health app. But then you also had horizontal players coming in from all other aspects of health and wellness. So Nike, Lululemon, Weight Watchers or WW, you had Peloton, Goop, all of them were offering some aspect of mindfulness as well as their, their kind of physical health offerings. And you also have tech giants. You have, you have Apple Health, you have Amazon coming in with, with mindfulness offerings as well. And then you have this incredible long tail of meditation mindfulness apps. If you go on, on you know, the, the app store or you look online, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of, of one-off uh, mindfulness and meditation apps, all trying to piggyback on the success that, that Headspace had proven. Um, so that was really the state of the business. You know, a, a very successful first chapter, a need to, to shift that story and be able to grow and expand because of changes both inside and outside of Headspace. So why the, why the evolution from meditation to mindfulness? Was that a, a reaction to competitive landscape and offerings, or was it something that, that Andy and Rich felt they needed to do because that was just part of their ultimate goal? It's really the latter. You know, I, I've, I've worked with many, many clients uh, in my career, and I, I think I've never worked with a group of founders and, and a leadership team at Headspace that's so purpose-driven, so focused on their mission of improving the health and happiness of the world. And so everything they do, every decision is so grounded in, is this going to help not only the community of users that we have today, of members that we have, but also people out there that aren't even aware of mindfulness today. If you want to improve the health and happiness of the world, you can't just serve people who are already into meditation. You have to bring more people into that to be able to give them those benefits. And so that, that was really what, what drove that shift, less the competitive aspect, but more the idea that there's ways that we could help people beyond meditation, right? Meditation, it, it can be daunting, it can be intimidating, it can be hard. And we don't want to walk away from that because it's such a powerful way to get to mindfulness. But if we can help people be mindful in other aspects of life, they can get a lot of those benefits um, without making this hard. And so that was really the driving force um, behind that. The, the way that it came to us in a brief was, was initially, you know, hey, we need a new brand strategy. We need a new positioning. Um, we don't even know how to talk about ourselves. What's your value prop? We've been pigeonholed as an app for meditation. And all the headlines you saw in the news, uh, it was always Headspace, meditation app, Headspace, app for meditation. It was, it was frustrating because they offered so much more than that. And it was just such an easy way to describe them. So um, was, was mindfulness a term that they came to the table with in terms of how they began to define the, 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 the uh, sort of next phase offering? Or was that something that came out through working with you guys as a term? No, as I mean, it's not, it's not a new term, of course. I'm not suggesting that. But was that a term that they were using? Um, it was, a, you know, mindfulness is something that, that's been in the culture, right? And so, yeah. so Headspace didn't coin it. It's been out there. I think they were one of the leaders in, in making that more of an accepted thing, more, more, you know, mindfulness is something anyone can do as opposed to mindfulness is something that that kooky neighbor down the street 
um, you know, who burns incense does. You know, <laughs> yeah. meditation and mindfulness are things that 10 years ago were, were really niche. And, and today, you know, celebrities talk about it. Um, and, and mental health is just a, a bigger part of our cultural discussion. You know, was, there was a real yeah. stigma around talking about mental health 10 years ago. And, and I think um, because of Headspace, but, but also other people in the health and wellness industry, it's become acceptable to, to admit that. You have, you have athletes admitting um, that they've suffered uh, mental health issues and are working through them. You have celebrities, rock stars, pop stars. Uh, so it's become more, more of our culture, and yet there's still kind of in the mainstream a little bit of a resistance to really talking about it openly. So mindfulness, you know, Headspace wasn't the one that coined that term, but, but it's, it's a very abstract thing. Right. And especially if you don't buy into meditation, if you're not sure what mindfulness is, part of the goal was was to define it in a way that was concrete enough that people really understood what it was um, and, and how it could bring value to their lives. So tell us about some of the planning activities that you that you guys um, undertook to get to get at a, I'm assuming you, you did some work to get at a kind of a clearer understanding of who the market might be or who the uh, who the target might be for this next phase? We did we did deep ethnographic interviews with a cross section of current lapsed and potential members of, of Headspace, and I think critically, you know, we didn't just go to San Francisco, LA, and New York. Um, and and I think credit to Headspace, one of the things that we talked about in our brief was that they wanted to be sure to expand the benefits of Headspace to a much more diverse audience. There's kind of a, a stereotype, if you will, of someone who's into meditation and mindfulness. And yet the, the people who need the help the most aren't in those situations because people like that have the resources. They can go to a professional therapy. They can do so many things. And, and Headspace, again, in the sense of, of expanding their mission and, and, and the benefit to as much of America and the world as possible, really wanted to get outside of those coastal bubbles. And so, so we went to Columbus, Ohio. We went to Charlotte, North Carolina. We also went to San Francisco you know, to make sure that we had a good cross-section of America um, and did these deep ethnographic interviews um, with a range of, of members, potential members, sometimes even meditating with them, sometimes even going through their mindfulness routines together to really understand how they thought about mindfulness, even outside the context of Headspace. Um, and there was just such incredible deep insight from there, you know, seeing how some people used something digital like an app, but using old school things like post-it notes and writing messages to themselves and putting those on a mirror um, and seeing how important, we heard these incredibly inspirational stories about how uh, mindfulness and Headspace specifically helped them get through these incredibly rough patches in their life and it didn't fix the problems, right? Because it, none of this is about solving the problem. It's about helping you to, to deal with it and giving you the strength, the resolve, um, the ability to, to be able to navigate yourself through all of these things that might happen to you in your life. So was that, was, 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 the, um, was that work done with people who were already sort of uh, had an interest in mindfulness or was it more to the market of those? Or, or did it include people who had not yet come to the, realization that it could benefit them? It was a range. And um, it was one of the key questions we had to, to figure out at the beginning. But um, the cutoff was you had to be open to mindfulness. You couldn't be a meditation or mindfulness rejector, right? If, if your perspective is, is, you know, that's all BS. There's nothing I can do, you know, a very old school uh, perception of, of mindfulness, then 
it wouldn't be much of a conversation. So we, we decided to exclude that audience from our research. Right. Um, but you didn't have to be someone who meditated two hours a day. You didn't have to be someone who even used Headspace. And it was really important to get people who were just at that start of that journey, just aware that that mental health was something that they should be thinking about and, and aware that maybe there was something that they, they wanted to do to be able to improve that. So can you, can you take us inside sort of the psychology of some of the people that you met? I mean, what is the sort of the, what is the state of mind? What is the aspiration? What's the, what's the attitude that a, a, a person will most likely have who's just on the edge of becoming a prospect for the app? Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Um, you know, often... Like what's going on in their life? What's happening in their life where they're like, where, where this would be a terrific tool for them to be using or a platform for them to be using? Yeah, there's, there's kind of a, a, there's a couple of ways in, right? There's one way in where things have gone really bad. You know, we, we talked to people who, who had had, you know, a car accident, they had physical health issues, they lost their jobs, um, that had mental uh, health implications as well. They had lost family members. And there was a real sense of, you know, not despair, but but I need to take a different lens on where I am in life in, in order to start moving forward. Um, and there was certainly that, but there was also people who just recognized that by bringing more mindfulness or, or paying more attention to mental health, that it would take them from where they were to a higher place. Um, and whether that's achievement-oriented, you know, and you see a lot in the culture about, uh, people using meditation as as kind of a secret weapon to, to to do better at work or do better at business or even just to have better healthier relationships with the people around them. Um, any of those were potential entry points into Headspace or or any of the offerings of mindfulness around there. Um, but it was actually the big unlock for our strategy is was was understanding that there is a mindfulness journey. And there's actually four stages that, that we were able to very distinctly capture in the mindfulness journey. Um, you know, starting from most intrinsic, it's really about you, it's really about yourself, where you are in your life and journey. And then as you progress to that, that kind of the fourth stage, it becomes much more extrinsic, much more about the relationships around you and helping other people on their own mindfulness journey. Um, and understanding that there were these four stages and understanding that there was transition moments between those was a huge unlock to understanding their audience and ultimately the strategy that we landed on. Um, you know, but from a business standpoint, one of the things that that really was an eye-opener was that Headspace, as it was in the first 10 years, was only serving a very, very narrow slice of that full journey of mindfulness. Right. And so purely from a business standpoint, if if you could serve the entire journey, and nobody out there was doing it. No one competitor was, was as a brand, was serving the entire journey of mindfulness. Um, it would do two things. Number one, it would accomplish your goal to, to, to grow the business and have more impact. But number two, when we talked about a diverse audience, you know, we'd always been thinking um, the traditional markers of diversity, socioeconomic, race, gender. Um, and those things are all critically important. But we realized there's diversity of where you are on that journey as well. And, and by serving people along that entire journey, you can actually reach a much more diverse 
range of, of, of members across America and the world. And so really understanding those stages of mindfulness uh, was critically important. And it's so, not a linear journey, right? You don't, you don't go, you, you don't just go from stage one to two to three to four. It's very dynamic. You'll, you'll, you'll make a step forward. You'll get to the one stage, you'll get knocked back, right? We, we've all had those moments where we feel like we're on top of the world. Something happens. You can't control the world in your life. You can only control your reaction to it and the way that you perceive the world around you. And so understanding that journey in detail was, was really a, a, a critical part of ultimately defining the strategy. So I suppose when, depending on which stage you are in the journey, you would look at the app in a very different way. I would think in the early stages, it would be, it would be looked upon as being a source of, of help uh, for solving a potential problem. But further up the, along the journey, I would assume that it's more of a reflection of the way you look at the world. It's got, and I think from a content perspective, you'd probably be looking at very different content that's been served up to or at least created to serve those different audiences. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's entirely accurate. You know, the, the first stage on that journey is what we called survivor, right? And, and that's very stark, but, but that is a, a very accurate reflection that there's a point in your life where, where you feel like you're just surviving, you're hanging on, um, and you need some help, and, and, and you need some, some reframing um, of the circumstances around you in order to be able to move forward. And so at that point, it's really fundamental mental health, right? How to control your stress, how to control anxiety, how to um, you know, change the narrative in your head that's telling you that you're not good enough, that you don't deserve success or you don't deserve to, to, to you know, be, you know, be treated like a good person. And so, so there's a lot of content around, around that. But as you progress through that mindfulness journey, it becomes much more outward facing. It becomes something around your, more around your relationships with the people around you in your life. It becomes more about even you becoming a leader and helping um, participate in the mission to improve the health and happiness of the world by bringing others along with you. And it was really interesting in the ethnographic interviews we did, you know, we spoke to one, um, one gentleman in San Francisco, I think mid fifties or sixties. And, and he just had this incredible story, this heart wrenching story of having lived through the AIDS epidemic uh, and just losing so many friends and, 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 and having funerals, uh, you know, every month um, because, because everybody in his community was, was dying because of AIDS and he, it, it put him in a really dark place. Um, and it was meditation and mindfulness um, that really helped him pull out of that. Um, and now you know, he's on an entirely different track and, and he is becoming, he's using meditation mindfulness um, to be a leader in his community, to, to bring other people along, to help other people. Um, and, and that's really at that, that, that top end of that, that uh, mindfulness journey where you start using what you've learned and what you've built to share. And that, that has value for you as well, right? You feel good about that sure. when you're able to help somebody else. Um, and so, so, you know, the, the content there then becomes more about connecting you with community. It's about how you can use the, the, the meditation and mindfulness skills that you've acquired uh, to help other people. And that really helps Headspace too, because I think there's a danger sometimes that Headspace is, is uh, you know, the training wheels of, of meditation and mindfulness. You use it, you get into it, but then, you know, if you really want to get serious, maybe you can go to something else. I think that the beauty of, of understanding that there is this mindfulness journey and then building product and content for the full spectrum of that is that then nobody should ever outgrow Headspace. Um, and then there's no desire from Headspace that, that that's all you use. They, they just want to be helpful in, in, on your own journey. And you might do other things. You might do you know, yoga, you might do, um, 
um, professional therapy. You might do other things to, to, to on your own mindfulness journey, but this way, there's always a role for headspace in that. So you you do the planning work. You do these these uh, immersion uh, sessions with uh, various folks around the, the country, uh, and you come out of that. When you come out of that, do you feel that you've identified the problem that needs to be solved? And what I mean by that is many times what the client at the beginning of a process assumes is the problem may in fact not be the problem that needs to be solved. So did you actually identify something else or some specific issue that you went back and were able to say, hey, in order for us to meet this business goal, we've got to get over this hurdle or we've got to, we've got to deal with uh, this opportunity? Was there anything that came out of it? You were like, okay, the problem we need to solve was a little different than we may have first thought. Yeah, there was, there was a couple, I think that, that, you know, we, we changed our way of thinking about it after talking to the audience. One was initially we thought the problem to solve was just as headspace had demystified meditation in their first chapter, that the challenge would be to demystify mindfulness in their second chapter. And it turned out that was actually not the case at all. Culture had moved ahead of them in the meantime. And when we went out and talked to current and potential members, it it turned out that they they actually really understood mindfulness and and, and almost understood it and defined it more clearly than Headspace had. Um, And it goes back to some of the stuff that that we talked about that they they understood the difference between meditation and mindfulness. They they were already trying to bring mindfulness into their daily activities. And so so that was really um, a different twist on what we thought the problem was, that it wasn't about demystifying mindfulness. It was actually about being very crystal clear about why it mattered um, and, and, and tying it back to the specific product evolution that Headspace had launched. You know, one of the things I think that we've all realized, and, and this was even pre-pandemic, you, you brought this up earlier, the issue of mental health. Um, one of the things that's happening is that there is an absolute increase, for whatever reason, in the last maybe decade or so, as you mentioned, there's this massive increase in mental health issues, particularly with younger people and, you, and, and, and mm-hmm. with adults. At matching and, ref, and reflecting that is the fact that there is absolutely... And as a parent of a kid who's who's needed therapy for anxiety, I can I can attest to this. It is incredibly difficult to get therapists or to get help for uh, for um, uh, for issues of mental health. There's there's such limited capacity in terms of of uh, of uh, professionals to help out. So for everyday families who didn't necessarily have um, any sort of previous involvement in the recognition of, of, on the issues of mental health, they're faced with it. Almost every family, it seems, these days has got some connection either directly or indirectly to that issue. And that just seems to be where these sorts of pseudo sort of telehealth platforms are, are becoming, are, 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 are maybe finding an opportunity uh, so that's is that a completely different market for you guys in terms of uh, mindfulness? Is there that group of people who are now feeling it, never having had a history of it, or never having really understood it in terms of the underlying uh, issues, are now yeah. sort of um, they have just become this mass market of opportunity? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. One of the the ways that we reflected the brief back to the client when we first started working together was the, the world needs headspace now more than ever. And yet it's 
ever more complex to explain to the world why they need Headspace specifically, because there's so many offerings out there. Um, and when we looked at what was happening in culture, the problem that Headspace set out to solve, as you say, Fergus, it, it's more urgent than ever before. You know, in some of the, the, the research that we saw, just in the U.S. alone, major depression is up 33 percent um, since 2013 and up 47% for millennials. Um, with Gen Z, right, the, the younger generation uh, of adults, we saw something like 91% saying they've experienced at least one physical or emotional symptom because of stress. And yeah. so I think it's a, it's hard to say for sure. I think there, there is more stress in the world. Um, and I think that's especially true in 2020. But I think the awareness of the impact of mental stress, of, of mental health, is also more acute. Um, and it goes back to that, you know, traditionally or, or 10 years ago, the people who were aware of it and had access to the resources to, to do something about it tended to be the haves. Uh, and there is a real danger that, 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 you know, there's a wellness divide in America, um, that the people who can afford goop and the people who can afford, uh, you know, private therapists are going to be able to have the benefits of mental health awareness, but there's a vast majority that have nots, um, you know, who who aren't going to be able to access that. And so there's a really important role for Headspace and, and, and other providers to play to overcome that wellness divide by creating universal access to the benefits of mindfulness. Tell us about um, tell us about where you ended up strategically. So you've done the work, you've come back with some of these learnings. So tell me where you ended up strategically. Where did you go back to the what did you go back to the client with? And what were the words that kind of summarized your positioning? No matter where you are, those transition moments are the catalyst um, to move from one stage to the next. And the thing that the common thread around all of those transition moments was a change in perspective uh, and a change in perspective of the way that you viewed yourself. Right. Perspective is, is a mirror on, on the way that you view yourself, but it's also a lens on the world around you. It's a change of perspective on the way that you feel the circumstances and, and it helps you understand you're not a victim, um, that you have agency, that you have um, strength and power, you deserve um, all of that. And so that really led to a positioning strategy around changing the world's perspective. Um, and, and you know, sometimes at 21st Century Brand, we, we go through this exercise of asking ourselves, what's the cultural impact? You know, if, if a billion people around the world used Headspace, what would the world be like? Um, and, and thinking about this positioning where, where if Headspace is, is out there and, and accomplishes their goal of changing the world's perspective, imagine a world where it's 10% more compassionate, where you can reverse the epidemic of loneliness, where government leaders are making decisions based on empathy, not on their enemies. And so that was really a powerful for vision for, for Headspace to buy into. So in terms, of, in terms of thinking about that through the lens of a brand platform or how you want a potential um, potential subscriber to feel about Headspace. How would you articulate that? What do you want them to feel when they think about the brand? Ultimately, where we landed was, was going from an app for meditation, which is very narrow and very specific, to a value proposition of being a platform for mindful living that helps you approach life's highs and lows. Um, and, and, you know, we, we had a lot of debate around the word platform, right? Because that's something that can sound very techy. And there were some concerns around that, but, but the audiences in, instantly knew what that meant. Like we have platforms in our lives so that people already were very comfortable with that. But the idea of being 
a brand or a platform for mindful living was something that was just so approachable, so definable. And again, because the audience kind of already understood, you know, what mindful living was, you didn't have to over explain it to you, you didn't have to over define it. Um, and that was language that, that, you know, coincidentally, Rich, the CEO had, had used a term very similar to that in an interview, um, very um, close to the day that we were sharing this, this, these findings back. And so a platform for mindful living that helps you approach life's highs and lows. And then the way that the, the brand makes you feel, you know, that was another area where we really wanted to lean into what Headspace does differently, you know, both from a functional and emotional spectrum. We, we really believe that unlike competitors, only Headspace had this dynamic platform, right? It's not just meditation. It's also about sleep. It's about movement. It's about focus. Only Headspace had real credible expertise, you know, not just Andy, but no matter uh, what area you're talking about, Headspace had always gone out and gotten the top experts in the field to either provide the content, create the content, um, or validate the content. And so those are really, really uh, important functional differentiators. Then emotionally, um, you know, a place where you can get trusted support, um, a place where there is a community, a real community, where you can come and share your stories and people share their stories. And in fact, if you go to Headspace's app, Every day they have a story from a community member and they're really heartfelt and they're really, um, you know, they, they, they can be lighthearted too, but, but they really just, you know, they, they show that you're not alone in this, that there's, there's somebody out there and the person might be in Argentina, but they're facing the same thing that you're going through, whatever it is. The value proposition, the platform for mindful living that helps you navigate life's highs and lows. Were you looking up that, at that as being, a proposition that was trying to define a new category and therefore it could have that very literal description to it? Uh, or, or were you thinking about yourself going into a, a, an existing category where you were trying to create distinction? Because it, it seems to me that, that those words are trying to create something new mm. uh, by, by either being the platform as the way into it or it's creating a whole new sense of mindful living. As a, as a new category compared to, to your point earlier about meditation or whomever else was in the category. Yeah. Be, because it seems that the, that the, uh, that the, the value proposition is, is something that probably Calm could have used. But if maybe your goal was to go in and actually, um, and actually create a category and make that as a leadership statement right. in order to, to own that position, um, uh, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious about I, that. I think that's right. I think that's right, Fergus. I think you know it was it was really about helping Headspace break out of the box of of existing perception, right? I think the the audience kind of so, felt you, like so I, your I, sense. So your sense was that the the fact that you were a meditation app or viewed as being rooted in meditation as a practice was a sort of a stunt to your longer term growth. Is that fair to say then? I think so, right? Okay. I mean, and, and meditation, yeah, meditation will always be a cornerstone of Headspace is, but it's yes. so much more than than an app for meditation, and it really sells short not only what the product does, but what the mission of Headspace is intended to accomplish. And so, taking that leadership position, we always talked about it as, you know, you started off as as a leader, and then quickly, you know, you were copied. So, so this is all about redefining your category to create a category of one. Right. right. And, and certainly other people can, can, can copy that. Other people can, can copy that. But if, if you're the one who, who really stands for 
for mindful living, for, for creating that platform. And you have the product that, that no one else has, the, the kind of the offerings that are across that full spectrum of, of that mindfulness journey. That's that's really what's going to create differentiation and, and, and allow you to, to grow in the way that you need to. Let's let's move on and talk about um, the uh, the creative execution of this. So you 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 have this platform in place, and then the pandemic hits, right? <laughs> so um, what 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 are the discussions that are going on within the within the consulting shop and within Headspace about what the hell do we do now? What are the implications of this not only on the business but also on the positioning recommendation? Shout out to our, our incredible clients there, you know, uh, Carolyn Pei, who's the CCO, and um, Deb Hyun, who's the, the, the head of marketing, VP of global marketing there. I remember getting a text from them, um, from Deb on a Thursday afternoon, you know, hey, Colin, can you jump on the phone really quickly? Uh, it's like, sure. So we get on a phone call and, and you know, the, the, and again, it was also rooted in, 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 you know, the pandemic has hit, we're all in lockdown. Um, Headspace was already taking actions to help, right? They'd already announced that they were going to make Headspace free for first responders. At that point, they had launched something called Headspace, uh, New York State of Mind, um, you know, helping people in New York um, who were affected by the lockdown at that point was really the epicenter. Headspace came to us and said, we want to launch a brand campaign, our first ever national TV brand campaign. We want to do it now. And we want to do it because we feel there's a moment that we have to help and we have to get out there and spread this message. And by the way, we need to do this in, in four weeks because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. This was, this was uh, you know, maybe the second week of April that they reached out. So on Thursday, we, we got on a call. On Friday, we, we agreed on a scope. And by Monday, we had landed the skeleton already of a uh, campaign strategy and brief um, that, that we needed to then go out and bring in uh, creative agency partners to help execute, but the turnaround time was was whirlwind. But I think you know it's it's easy to do when when number one we'd already worked together on building a foundational brand strategy. Number two, there was there's tons of trust and 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 just the I think we were all committed. We we just all understood why why this was such a critical moment. Not so much for Headspace as a business because it would have been fine and successful without it, but but such an important moment to bring what Headspace brings to America. Anselmo Ramos, who I think is probably most famous uh, for the Dove um, uh, campaign that he worked on, uh, I think I think that's fair to say. He uh, he's his most recent venture is Gut. Uh, I, th- I think they're in Miami, right? Are they? They are based in Miami, and um, you know, as we were pulling together the the, um, the the creative brief together with with the team at, at Headspace, you know. In parallel, we, we were developing a short list of agencies that we needed to reach out to. And, and given the timing and turnaround, we, we have some really clear criteria. Number one, there had to be a personal relationship, right? It, it had to be somebody that somebody on our team knew, you know, um, you know, someone that Caroline knew, someone that Jonathan Mildenhaw knew, someone that we could call and, and they, would, they would return a text in 20 minutes and we had trust that they would be able to, to do this. Um, there had to be ability to meet the timeline, so there had to be speed. Um, there had to be familiarity, like real organic love and knowledge of the Headspace brand. There wasn't time to, to you know, um, bring somebody on board. And some, you know, we were looking for real people who already used Headspace and understood it really at, at, at a, a molecular level. And there had to be creativity because you can't shoot new footage, right? The, the world was in lockdown. Um, and we really, I think the key was, was we needed somebody who knows how to get disproportionate, not just share a voice, but share of culture. 
And, and that's why, you know, we had ultimately narrowed it down to, to three agencies and, and, and Selmo and his team of gut really stood out. I think they had such true, passionate love for Headspace, you can't fake. Um, and, and knowing his track record, his yeah. background and personal trust, it was, it was uh, you know, a quick decision to bring them in. And, and they just really got the Headspace brand, took the creative brief, ran with it. Uh, and ultimately, you know, in, in, in really close conjunction with the Headspace creative team as well, um, delivered the Headspace promise spot that ultimately ran, um, you know, and, and it was amazing from from kind of idea to launch. It was, I think, ended up being about five weeks. So tell us what, what the uh, promise spot was. So the the kind of core of the the creative brief was, you know, as, as, as we were, were right at the start of the pandemic, um, the key insight was that that you know in this moment right um people were suffering trauma not only from the pandemic itself but what we call the, the second wave of the pandemic right people losing their jobs first responders at risk and the unemployment uh, numbers at that moment were staggering people were losing their jobs at an unprecedented rate yeah 20 and, i think it was 22 million people yeah in yeah. north america in, in the united states so the headspace promise led to, um, uh, you know, the, the kind of first execution of that is that headspace is going to offer a one year free subscription to anybody in America who's unemployed, anybody in America. And, and even internally, there's like, oh, my gosh, that's that's business suicide. You're going to you're going to offer it free to anybody for a uh, year, yeah. for a year, for a year. Why one year? Why not 90 days? I'm just curious. Why is it such a rounded off? Yeah, it's I, it's a great question. I think you know, ninety days or anything shorter is not enough. Providing it free for the unemployed is just the start. Uh, and Headspace is is already thinking about how to extend that in twenty twenty one, and and they've rolled out um, elements of the program across the UK and Europe as well. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a, I mean, from a business perspective, it's a certainly a great way to uh, get enrollment. Uh, it's it's an unmistakably. Um, uh, noble offer for sure. And then I think it gives you a, a great opportunity to look just from a sort of a data analytics geeking out kind of thing here to be, to be able to look at behavior uh, and drop out rates when people drop out, what people are drawn to. It's like a great content study. Uh, yeah. Not that you, not that they necessarily need that when they already have 66 million uh, downloads and uh, not that that, that of course those are different than users, but um how how has the pickup been? How have, have many people converted to take advantage of the offer? Of the offer? Yeah, it's been really incredible. Um, you know, they had already made um, a module on Headspace of, of kind of content related to the pandemic and employment. They made that free to anybody, uh, whether you're you're unemployed or not. And they saw saw a really great engagement with that. Um, I should note too that that if you want to try Headspace, you can try it for a month free anyway. Right. They really want to make sure that you see the value in it. And that's right. another reason why, why making it more than 30 days. You know, if it's just 30 days, that's just a gimmick. They're ready to offer it. If it's 60 or 90 days, hey, that's not a big deal. They really wanted to make it something substantive um, to put some weight behind the, the promise. But um, the campaign itself, and I think the execution engagement was, by all measures, um, a massive success. You know, some of the KPIs that, that were really critical, one was aided awareness. So um, aided awareness driven by the campaign was up by nearly 80%, um, beating the campaign goal by 32%. So, and also significantly closed the awareness gap on some of their main competitors. And favorability, um, a positive sentiment nearly doubled over the course of the campaign. Um, so, so on those KPIs, as well as on some of their internal kind of creative metrics, the, the campaign wildly overseeded expectations. It drove ad recall, drove search. 
Um, and you saw incredible pickup. You know, Andy was on CBS this morning. There was tons of social media, tons of great press coverage. You know, it was great to see that success. It was great to see and someone got get the, the the kind of recognition for that. Great to see our clients, you know, Caroline, Deb, Rich, Andy at, at Headspace get that recognition. You know, our team at 21STB as well. And I should say shout out Liz Niemeyer and Lucy Schaefer, who, who really helped develop the strategy, but the foundational strategy and the campaign strategy, this was something that we all put our hearts and, and, and minds into because it was just so important to help, to help America, to help people um, who really could benefit from Headspace. Colin Chow, partner, 21st Century Brand in San Francisco. Thanks for your time today, sir. It was, uh, it was great talking to you and hearing all about Headspace. Thank you so much, Fergus. And we'll see everybody in the next episode.